Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BetUS NFL show. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by our expert football handicappers, Las Vegas Chris on your left and Scott Kellen on your right if you're watching us on YouTube. And today we wrap up our division preview series with a comprehensive breakdown of the NFC South. And that means it's almost time to break down games that count. That'll be happening all season long right here at BetUS where the game begins. So before we kick things off today, I've got one thing to tell you, and that's to make sure you sign up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 to claim your 125% sign up bonus. That's exclusive for sports betting, good up to $2,500. That sounds like a pretty sweet way to pad your bankroll heading into week one. To get the details and take advantage of the offer, check out the link below this video. And while you're at it, you can also go ahead and subscribe to this YouTube channel and give us a thumbs up if you enjoy this video and also hit that notification bell to make sure that you're getting notified whenever we go live so you don't miss any of the action this season. And on that note, we'll be coming to you live every Tuesday and Friday of the season starting next week. The schedule is as follows. Tuesdays, we're live at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific, and Fridays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And Scott, I know I touched on it off the top, but this is our last division preview, so how are you feeling heading into the final weekend without NFL games that count until after the Super Bowl? Uh, it's going to be awesome, Matt, and uh, very excited. It's good to wrap this up and knowing the season's starting. And, uh, you know, some people probably aren't old enough, but if you remember the old CBS Sports pregame show with Brent Musburger and you like last year. So I uh, can't wait for that and can't wait for the betting to get going. feel like we're I'm pretty ready. Um, and uh, yeah, very, very excited. Awesome. Love to hear it. I think we might have lost you for a moment there, but we got you back at the end uh, to hear some of the excitement heading to the season. And Chris, I'd imagine there's a lot of excitement on your end as well, but you've also been very astute in preaching the hurry up and wait mindset at this time of year. Yeah, I'm, 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 I need to get this season started. I can't tell you how difficult this preparation has been for the last uh, month or so. I, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, I'm usually not here during the summers, and I usually just dive in at the start of the season. So I'm doing a lot of, uh, since I was here, I, I did a lot of look back on my records and evaluating uh, the things that I did. And you'd think that somebody that is invested as strongly into this as I am, that I would have been aware that looking at the Atlanta Falcons, they're my number one team over the last six years to bet their games. So uh, I can't recommend enough if you're betting, track your records, keep that stuff around so you can go back and look at it. You don't know what you're gonna find. You might find patterns in what you're doing. Uh, it's just useful. It sounds silly, oh, it's not gonna be important. I don't need that, it takes up space. Trust me, it's a good piece of advice. I've gone through six years of it and I'm so happy I have it. I'm learning a lot of new things, but I would have never known I'm 28 and 11 in Atlanta Falcon games the last six years. <laughs> well, I think that's a good segue. We can dive into the Falcons as we kick off our NFC South preview. And uh, yeah, to your point, I think there's a reason the saying goes, what gets measured gets improved. So love hearing your notes on the, uh, the Falcons in recent years. We'll look to keep that going strong. And in 2021, they're quite a long shot to win the Super Bowl, NFC, or even this division, but they could be poised for a big step forward coming off of last season where they had some pretty brutal luck at times. Regular season wins, sitting in a flat seven and a half, 
And Chris, when it comes to the Falcons, you mentioned they're the team you've had a really good gauge on lately. Just how much of a step forward do you think they're poised for as we head into 2021? Well, you know, it's it's kind of odd because I, I really never enjoyed betting Atlanta Falcon games. Uh, if, uh, I, I do know that at least one game stands out from last year's. I had the Detroit Lions last year, and they didn't belong covering that game. Uh, so another example how you have to be lucky. I Atlanta, as we know, as Scott will, will touch base later, they should have had a much better record last year. They, they blew huge leads stupidly. In fact, they were plus 30 points versus all their competition for the season if you just exclude the fourth quarter. So that's where they got buried was the fourth quarter. So they have a lot of good parts. Their offense is pretty good. You've got Matt Ryan. You've got, uh, and what else, what's really important is Quinn's gone. I don't think Quinn, Quinn was a very good coach at all. I think he really hurt that team. But uh, they've got a good offensive uh, foundation uh, to work with. And they were pretty good on offense last year, except their, uh, their red zone offense. And I think the new coaching in there is going to fix that problem. Uh, well, I'm really curious to hear what you think about Arthur Smith coming in, presumably more motion, more play action, and there could be a positive impact there, not only for Matt Ryan, but also the offensive line, which could be a big question mark of a unit for this team, having lost an elite center in Alex Mack. Well, I, I, I believe he's going, they have not been using the uh, the tight end sets last year, I think. I think he'll, uh, uh, he'll put that in, uh, and that's going to help out. And uh, obviously, he did wonders before, so it, it, it can only be an improvement uh, for a just a better spread out offense for him, as far as I see. The, the, the real problems are going to come on defense, uh, and there's no quick fix on that defense, but uh, they do have some tools to work with on defense, and uh, we should see some improvement, but not enough. So, you know, you're going to have to look at this as an over team, obviously. And the the only other oddity is they play 10 road games and seven home games this year. So uh, that's kind of interesting. But it's it's not that difficult of a schedule uh, as far as what it should, what it could be. Yeah, and I'm really curious to dig into that just a bit because, of course, every NFC team this year with a 17-game schedule has nine road games. And the Falcons, as you alluded to, they have a designated home game in London against the Jets. So basically, with seven true home games out of 17 games for the first time on the slate this year, how do you quantify that relative to the strength of schedule on paper when we're looking at just the quality of teams in a vacuum? Uh, are you talking to me? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. following <laughs> up on your point about the fact that they only have seven true home games this year. We'll get Scott's input as well, but I I'd love to know what you think of you it. You know what? I got to be honest. I spaced out a little bit because nobody knows before the show started, nothing worked and there was panic in the streets here. So trying to get uh, <laughs> my brain is like uh, going in 500 different directions because I was so stressed out. So I'm just like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I, I missed the question. That's perfectly fine. So you mentioned the Falcons basically having a heavy set of road games this season. In fact, they're only looking at seven true home games. And how do you quantify that impact on their schedule 
versus just the quality of teams they're playing if we look at that in a vacuum. Obviously, it's going to be a road warrior mentality for Atlanta this year. I, 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 that's what I thought I heard, and I don't have an answer. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping to come up with an answer. I don't know. I don't know. So it's yeah, well, that's sometimes, up. I don't know. That, that, that's the best answer we can get sometimes. If you don't know, it's something to watch for. We haven't seen this before. But, Scott, I think we can – we view in here, you've mentioned, you know, they, they have a tough schedule, uh, even if we don't look at just the amount of home and away games and also a lot of other information based off of last year that might, though, bring them some positive regression and help balance things out a bit. Yeah, if we can, if we can throw show up the uh, throw up the uh, Pythagorean numbers, we can kind of look into that. You know, as you said, Matt, they they win four games last year, uh, but from their Pythagorean uh, standpoint, they should have been much better than that. Chris kind of alluded to that as well. The Pythagorean shows seven point six wins versus the four. That's a dramatic difference for people that look at that kind of stuff. Uh, and then if we factor in, you know, they're playing an extra game this year, seventeen games. That really gets them to about eight point one wins. So, and then look at the close games. They were one and eight. Chris already hit on it a little bit. They lost three games, I believe, where they had a 99% chance to win uh, the game late in the game. And remarkably, they still lost. I think Chicago, uh, the Detroit game, which I had Detroit as well, uh, like Chris, and didn't, didn't deserve it, but I'll take it. Um, and then the, I uh, forget the other game that they had uh, that they lost. Oh, Dallas was Dallas the other one that they lost at the end. Yeah. So, um, you know, to expect them to win more than four games this year, absolutely. They should have won 8.1 on a 17-game schedule. They were 1-8 and eight last year. The real question becomes, can they win four more games than they won last year to get to eight, which puts them over the over-under season win total? You know, I don't know what to say on that. I, I will say, um, you know, for them, they do have seven games here, two against Carolina, Philadelphia, the Giants, Jets, Jacksonville, and Detroit. Those are all certainly winnable games, uh, and they could do okay in those games to help get them to the you know seven and a half uh, number. Uh, so can they go over seven and a half wins, eight wins? Possibly. Um, you know that that just really depends. But I think we're going to see positive regression. It's just can we see it in the in the form of four extra games to get over the over under season number? Yeah, I think we're looking at positive regression for Atlanta in a few senses, obviously, with the record in close games last year. Um, I think also bringing in Arthur Smith could be a pretty big plus, and the quality of some teams they play could be pretty forgiving. Scott, you mentioned those seven games spanning the Panthers, Eagles, Giants, Jets, Jags, and Lions. So that sounds great. Of course, there is the dynamic that Chris first brought up where seven true home games, that, that could also stretch them a little bit thin. So it'll be really interesting to see how things play out for Atlanta this year, but certainly at the very least, some element of positive regression should be headed their way. Yeah, I'll just add one other thing. You know, when I look at them from the line of scrimmage last year, they were about average. Now, you know, Julio Jones missed a lot of games. So, you, you know, if you only looked at his games, it'd be better than average from the offensive line standpoint. And they were well below average on the defense. And Chris kind of alluded to it. I don't know if we're going to see much improvement on the defensive side. Uh, so that remains to be seen. They, they obviously don't have Julio Jones this year. They bring in Kyle Pitts. That will help. I don't know if that replaces Julio Jones completely. Probably not yet. Um, but they were plus three in turnover margin as well. So the other thing I look at is if they're not fortunate on the turnover side, 
you know, that might be a little bit harder to have a complete positive regression to get an extra four wins, at least relative to their over-under season number. So that's the other thing I would look at as well. Um, they were actually pretty fortunate last year from a turnover standpoint. And if that doesn't break their way, then that could make it a little bit more difficult as well. You know, uh, there's two other things I'd like to add, uh, which you just touched on a little bit. They had an excellent injury luck. They they didn't have a lot of injuries, even though, uh, you know, the two main guys, you know, are always in, in the news. And as far as the defense goes, they faced the very most difficult offense of offense a set of offenses in the league last year. And now this year they face a bottom 10 schedule of offenses. So with the improvement of the new coaches, uh, you got uh, Dean Pease in there, uh, who's been on uh, uh, the, the Patriots and uh, the Ravens and the Titans. Uh, there should be an easier schedule. We, we might see a, you know where they get to be an average defense. And if they're an average defense, then they're going to do very well. Yeah, those are great points. Uh, Dean Pease is, a, you know, a great defensive coordinator. They could pick up some some success in that. Uh, and Arthur Smith, I mean, I think they're running the right offense to be better. And I think the other question with Arthur Smith is just how long does it take to put that offense in and really succeed? I, you know, I think it's a little bit of a complicated offense. So, um, you know, you go back to, uh, you know, when Matt LaFleur uh, came to Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, even though they had really a really good record, in 2019, I guess it would have been, you know, they were a little average from the offensive line. So even a guy like Aaron Rodgers and company took a little while to get that offense going as well. So that's the other part that remains to be seen uh, offensively as well. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of good food for thought with Atlanta. Currently, it seems pretty neutral weighing out all the possible pros and cons, but um, certainly a lot to look for early on this season out of the Falcons. And another team with a big X factor to keep an eye on, we can start talking about the Carolina Panthers. And Scott, I think, you know, there's there's plenty we can dig into, but it's all gonna hinge around Sam Darnold being that X factor for them. So let's take a look first off at their season numbers, uh, courtesy of BetUS, the odds on Carolina. Obviously, like Atlanta, a bit of a long shot to win the Super Bowl conference or even this division. But that regular season win number is sitting on seven and a half. Actually, a little bit of juice on the over. So some optimism for Carolina. Scott, how do you think that's going to play out with Sam Darnold under center? Well, Sam Darnold's interesting. You know, he last year, obviously, the Jets moved on from him. Uh, didn't feel that he was their guy going forward. Um, you know, didn't really succeed a whole lot, uh, obviously, there in New York. Uh, but I did okay with Sam Darnold last year. Sam Darnold for, you know, last year and the year before, I think, played behind a, a pretty poor offensive line. And then last year, they didn't have their receivers for a good part of the year. Late in the year, I think I went three and one or four and one against the spread on the Jets once they finally got their receivers in place. So, and they were about average from the offensive line when he had a healthy receiver core uh, to throw to. So I think there's some potential there in Sam Darnold, and he's probably going to get better coaching this year than he ever got from Adam Gase. I don't think that's um, uh, any doubt about that. You know, the Carolina offensive line is not fantastic, uh, you know, much like he had in New York. So that remains to be seen. But I think the better coaching will help. And he certainly is going to have offensive weapons to go to. And, you know, Carolina was average from the offensive line last year on offense. But Christian McCaffrey, of course, was hurt for a good part of that year. So they pick up something there. The other X factor here is Teddy Bridgewater is about average in interception rate uh, throughout his career. And Sam Darnold is not above average. He's below average. 
So that, you know, remains to be seen if they lose a little bit there as well. They were plus one in turnovers last year, but they were plus 10 in fumbles uh, recovered versus lost. And that's a very random number. So if if they lose some some turnover uh, ability there from the from, you know, the randomness and fumbles and Sam Darnold turns it over more than Teddy Bridgewater, which he has done historically, you know, that could hurt them a little bit offensively as well. And that's something else I would be looking for as well. Yeah, I'd like to underscore something you touched on there was the coaching uh, a parallel to our Tuesday show with the AFC South. Ryan Tannehill, once he moved on from Adam Gase, we've seen a lot of improvement from him. So maybe Sam Darnold's going to follow a similar trajectory. We'll see. He could be coached up quite well from Matt Rule and Joe Brady. But Chris, I know that you also uh, are looking at uh, Sam Darnold in a, in a pretty strong light as well. Yeah, and, and touching back on what Scott said, uh, this actually could be the lowest rated offensive line in the league. Uh, so Darnold's not going to get any favors uh, this year on an offensive line. But fortunately, he's got a lot of support. I mean, you know, Gaze was a, 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 is just a horrible, horrible coach. I mean, he's just awful. It, the fact that he's actually going to get real coaching and uh, real support around him uh, is going to really help him. And this is do or die. And if he doesn't produce this year, you know, teams are going to give up on him. But he, he, he definitely has enough to work with. Uh, and when you look at their schedule, uh, I've gone up and down on this Carolina team. I, lo- I loved them because last year I remember that, t- you know, when McCaffrey was in, that team was strong. There's no, I don't think there's a more important player to a team. There, there are very few more important players to a team than McCaffrey. It, boy, does he just make things change on what they're able to do. But uh, they had, they were reasonably high rated. They did a lot of things right. So I'm coming into this season thinking, okay, well, we can get McCaffrey back. We get a real quarterback. We have real coaches. You know, this team should be much better. Uh, but then I was looking at the negatives like the offensive line and, uh, uh, you know, some other issues. But they open up against their first 12 games against teams that made the playoffs, only two of them. Only two teams made the playoffs. Uh, and if you look at their first 13 games this season, maybe no playoff teams for this coming year. We, we don't know because the, the two teams that made the playoffs from last year were Washington and uh, um, the Saints. The Saints. So they potentially you know, could be shut out. So what better situation can you give Darnold when when you open up a schedule like that? Their last four games are obviously brutal with Buffalo, Tampa, New Orleans, and Tampa, uh, Tampa again. But, boy, do they get a lot of time to set things in motion. They don't have to come out of the gate uh, uh, with any difficulty in their schedule. They're plus 12 on rest. They don't face a single bye team that's off their bye. Uh, You know, that's not a bad way to start your season. Yeah, and building on that, I think we can take a look at Scott's chart again because not only is it a pretty smooth on-ramp, as you alluded to, Chris, But, Scott, we could be looking at some positive regression as well for the Panthers, kind of like Atlanta. They had some rough luck last year in close games. Yeah, and and, uh, we'll put that chart up. And as we put it up, I'll just, you know, kind of uh, feed off of what Chris said. Their first game against the Jets at home, certainly a winnable game. Game two at home against New Orleans, 
which you know you may say typically they can't win that, but um, New Orleans has got their own issues right now, so that could be a very winnable game. And then they play Houston on the road, so yeah, they could easily be three and zero with that as well. And then if we look at their Pythagorean theorem numbers, you know, last year they win five games, um, and uh, when we extrapolate that out. Uh, we can see that those five wins should have been 6.7 wins. Uh, and so, yeah, they could, and they, and they were three and six in close games here as well, right? So uh, they could see some positive regression there as well. Now the over-under season number is seven and a half. So again, it becomes, can they get to that number? You know, that remains to be seen, but um, pretty good coaching there, second year. Um, and we all know about COVID last year, which made that even that much more difficult. So, you know, for them to pop an extra a couple wins and get seven, eight wins, and then Chris already hit in the schedule, which could be, you know, very easy. And the part that I didn't even think about that he hit on, which is great, this team has got a chance to really grow together um, because the games aren't going to be super difficult to start with. And if they get things in motion and get going, um, you know, they could be set up very favorably early in the year. So um, I think there's a chance that this team, I've got them neutral on the seven and a half wins, um, but I, I don't, I would not be shocked if they win eight games with that schedule and just knowing the pieces, if they stay healthy and, and, you know, I think what I think is a pretty good coaching staff as well. Yeah, Scott, you touched on the team growing together and looking at the complete team. We've talked a lot about the offense, but defensively, I see a bit of a parallel to what we talked about with the Vikings in our NFC North preview, where there could be a pretty decent year two leap for some of these guys. Uh, a lot of people might recall the Panthers went all defense in last year's draft. They also took cornerback J.C. Horn, number eight overall this year. Uh, they did add a proven veteran in cornerback A.J. Boye. So with a good veteran presence, you know, a blue chip corner added to the roster this year, plus a, a draft crop of 2020 guys that was all defense. What are you expecting for, you know, that side of the ball for the Panthers to possibly make some good progress this season? I, I think they've got a chance. They, they brought in uh, uh, Redick as well. And so, you know, they, they didn't generate many sacks last year, so they need to find ways to get pressure on the quarterback. I think there's a chance that they could add there. Like you said, uh, they did lose a couple cornerbacks that were okay, um, but they brought some people in as well. So I, I think they could be a little bit better. Um, it, it's weird for me because I, I haven't thought of their defense as being great, yet from the line of scrimmage, their defense was actually above average in terms of yards per play allowed versus the opponents they played. So I'm always kind of scratching my head a little bit, trying to get a better read on their defense, but um, they need to get more pressure. They have added elements to possibly do that. So if that can help, you know, if they do get that added pressure, uh, this defense could see a jump in production. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of reason for optimism with the Panthers, but the market's priced a lot of that in at this point. So again, pretty neutral on the regular season win number, but should be quite a fun team to watch this season. And with that, I think we can put a bow on the Panthers. And let's move on and talk about the New Orleans Saints. We can take a look at their numbers for the 2021 season, courtesy of BetUS. They are not uh, maybe as likely as we've seen them in years past based on these numbers to make a good run at the Super Bowl or to win the NFC. To win the division, they're priced at plus 375. And their regular season win total currently sitting at nine, juiced to the under at minus 135. And Chris, a lot of this could hinge on what we ultimately see out of Jameis Winston at quarterback in New Orleans, a big change after a steady run from Drew Brees. Yeah, well, talking about him, I, I wish they would have gone to him in the playoffs. Uh, uh, just looking back at 2020, I, I have to say, 
the Saints were solidly my number one team the entire year. They, I, in fact, they've won, they improved on the metric scale 11 weeks in a row. I'd never even seen a team do it even like seven or eight times in a row. So they got better and better and better and better. And if you remember, they only played three games with their entire offensive unit. And I still have them as the fifth best offense for last year. Uh, I had them as the number one defense, and I had them as the number one team entering the playoffs, and I had very high hopes for them to go all the way. Uh, and and, and it's just very disappointing that they put in Breeze with broken ribs instead of a healthy quarterback, and it showed. You know, they, this team last year had a lot of depth and had everything covered. If they lost their, their talent, uh, the, they were still able to overcome. Uh, you know, when you talk about Breeze being gone, they're eight and one without Breeze. You know, all the more reason to have not played Breeze in the playoffs. Extremely frustrating for me. Uh, I, I was eight and three betting on them the, last year, and they really should have gone uh, all the way, in my opinion. They, they, it, just a disappointment for me. But uh, so I just had to say that. Uh, so really quickly on that note, I have to ask, I know that Breeze played poorly in the playoff loss to Tampa Bay, but do you think with Jameis Winston or even when Breeze was sidelined during the season, Sean Payton went to Taysom Hill for a good stretch there. Do you think that either of those two guys would have taken the Saints all the way had they been under center? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, they certainly would have had a better chance than playing a guy with two broken ribs that, uh, you know, you know, was having difficulties. I mean, again, I, I go back. They were eight and one without Breeze over recent history. You know, it, it just it very, very disappointing because you knew you weren't getting their bet. There was something wrong. You knew it. And it, it was just a disappointment. And this year you still have you still have problems because Hill, I think, is it does have a big contract and they give the uh, the ball to Winston. And I, I believe I saw Hill say, well, if somebody doesn't want to start me, I want to go someplace where I want to go, you know, be a starter. So are we going to have a problem there? Uh, uh, Peyton was already uh, kind of mentioned that he was disappointed that we didn't know that uh, 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 there was going to be a surgery coming. Why didn't you have the surgery, you know, uh, you know, during the offseason uh, for uh, uh, Thomas? Uh, so there's little cracks and chinks in the armor coming through and their their depth is not there this year they're they're still okay they're a solid team i mean what's really a bummer here is everybody sold 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 the saints and i was just licking my chops saying you don't know your football if you don't understand who's still on this team and the way you know with the coaching and how well they did without breeze they were going to be okay but now you're starting to see more injuries and a little strife. Uh, you, you, we're not playing in the Superdome where you got to go on the road. You've got all these other distractions. So that's a big concern for me. Yeah, fair enough. And Scott, when it comes to the distraction of relocating early in the season, I know bigger picture, there are far more important things than football. So I think I can speak for all of us with our hearts going out to anybody affected on the Gulf Coast or even the East Coast more recently. But we are here to try to, you know, provide some value from a betting standpoint so we can try to compartmentalize in that sense. When it comes to the disruption with the hurricane, 
the new quarterback situation. I mean, Chris mentioned there's there's plenty of talent on the roster, but there's there's also between turnover and distractions a lot going on in the periphery with this team. Yeah, I mean, and it's hard to quantify that. And you know, they've they've said that hey, they could be away from New Orleans for a month. It seems a little long, um, but you know that's possible. And so we already know they're going to play this first game in Jacksonville against Green Bay, and. You know, while it's not great to lose home games, sometimes you can lose home games against uh, vastly inferior opponents and it's not the end of the world. But they're losing a home game against Green Bay, which is a, a, a team that they need to play at home. That would really help them a lot. So they lose that. Now they're going to go on the road for a couple games to Carolina. All of a sudden, that might not be an easy game now because of everything that's happening. Chris talked about, you know, you've got a suspension on the defensive line. Thomas is out. They've lost some players. Um, and then, so that's not easy anymore. And then the third week they go to New England. Well, now you're going to run into a very good defense uh, and a very good coach who, you know, when you had Drew Brees as a leader, at least you kind of knew what you were getting from the from the quarterback spot and Drew Brees. Jameis Winston certainly has a ton of talent, but does Belichick get in his head? All of a sudden all this stuff becomes much more difficult. And I don't think they're coming back to New Orleans after any of these games. So if they're away from home and all that for a month, that can start to take a toll on a team uh, and make it very, very difficult for them to perform where they need to perform. And, and I'll just want to add one other thing. Chris talked about them being 8-1 without Breeze, and I think that's phenomenal. And that really speaks to what this team was and how it was built. You think back a couple of years ago when Aaron Rodgers went down and the Packers folded, uh, you know, which tells me they don't have near the talent on that team, at least speaking a couple of years ago, that they needed to really perform with somebody else at quarterback not to mention they probably didn't have the proper backup quarterback. But New Orleans has an offensive line. They had a great defensive line, still not bad, but they have started to lose some pieces of that. And now, of course, you don't have Breeze. And, you know, Winston's a wild card. Uh, certainly has the upside potential, but also has, you know, some issues that we know about as far as throwing interceptions and whatnot. Yeah, well, building on something you mentioned with the schedule, even aside from the disruption they're dealing with now, it's a pretty tough start to the season. So between their schedule, record in close games last year, anything Pythagorean related, we can pull up that chart. And what stands out to you when we apply this to our Saints outlook for 2021? Yeah, it's pretty standard. You know, they win 12 games last year. Um, the Pythagorean number says that they should have won about 11.2 if we extrapolate that out over 17 games. Um, so that's, you know, 2.2 wins more than what they're being asked to win this year. So that, you know, catches your eye. Okay, well, are they going to decrease by two or three wins this year? Um, you know, that's questionable. They've certainly lost a lot of pieces, so you could make that claim. They're five and three in close games last year. Nothing really to take from there. That's, you know, fairly close to being average. Um, and then if we look at their lines, uh, their projected wins based on the lines for all 17 games this year, it's at nine. And actually, before the show, I adjusted that that obviously they're not playing that first game at home. It's on the road. They're now plus four rather than plus three. That takes you down to about 8.9 wins based on their projected lines all year. And that stuff could get even worse if this starts to kind of fall apart on them early in the year. So, you know, their projected lines say they're right where their number is going to be. Um, I think we're going to see some regression to the negative for, for all the right reasons. But that's off of 12 wins last year. And, you know, kind of like we said with Atlanta, does that mean they regress enough to, to really win eight games, which means they'd have to go eight and nine, uh, which seems a little bit unfathomable for the Saints, seeing they've won so many games over the years and still have some pretty decent pieces on that team. Um, so that's what keeps me off from going under on them. 
because Chris hit it. It's still a pretty good team, um, just personnel-wise, but they've lost a lot. And, um, you know, I don't think they're winning 12. I don't think they're winning 11, 8, 9, or 10. I, that sounds about right for the Saints for me. Yeah, you know, it's really popular. Everybody's on this New Orleans Saints under, and they very well may go under. But I'm telling you, a lot of these people don't realize what's in the trenches and how, you know, the little things that they've done well. They've been number one, two, or three in special teams each of the last three years. They haven't finished less than number 11 offensively uh, in 15 years. They averaged the sixth best offense. Sure, they're a little weak on wide receiver, uh, uh, but they've got a, you know, they've got some some things in the schedule that are okay. They've got plus eight rest. They don't face any teams off the bye. They've got an early bye if they start poorly to kind of push the reset button. And then also, uh, you know, against what Scott said, what happens if they start off well? Couldn't that really inspire a really monster season if they're able to, you know, get through this these obstacles early on and uh, have some success going into the bye week and they get Thomas back? Uh, it can go either way. It really can go either way. And here's one last lesson. Saints, my bread and butter last year. It's all new. My favorite team is money when it comes to betting the NFL. And if the Saints fold like a paper napkin, I'm not going to avoid betting against them. You know, if they're going to make me money, you know, just because you make money on a team one season or one week or one month, you got to be able to dump them, uh, you know, like a bad girlfriend. I mean, you just have to. Yeah, we got a good theme for every team uh, in our AFC South preview. Maybe for the NFC South, we don't have a theme for every team, but if you call the Saints the bad girlfriend team, uh, I think that would that would live up to the bar that you set in our most recent episode. And Chris, I love your ability to look at both sides of the coin there. I think you laid it out really well why things could go well or not so well for the Saints this season. And one thing I heard on the defensive side of the ball, we've had a lot of focus on offense so far with New Orleans. But something that uh, I think Steve Fezzik was smart to flag was that defensively, the Saints drew Denver with no quarterback last year. So it was just one game. But that one game accounted for more than 6% of their season-long stats if we just go, you know, one out of 16. So with some slight inflation to the defensive season-long stats last year, do you give any merit to that possibly weighting that down just a little bit because of the luck they stumbled into in their game with the Broncos? Well, I think if you look at, at most of the teams, you know, Cleveland sticks out. Everybody wants to make ex excuses for the weather games. Uh, um, every team just lays eggs, one or two eggs a season. And every team is the benefactor of another team laying eggs with them. So, you know, how do you quantify that stuff? So, yeah, you can sit there and pick and choose, uh, you know, then that's that's correct. But you know, every team has these situations. You know, I'll add this too, and it's not a prediction, but just something to watch. Um, they've lost some pieces in the secondary. I don't know how their secondary is going to perform this year, but Sean Payton has consistently tried to bring different pieces into the secondary throughout the off season, um, which tells me they aren't super comfortable with what they have in the secondary as well. So just something to watch and we'll see what happens there. But uh, that tells me he's not 100% confident with what they have back there. And we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, well said, guys. Well, a lot of good stuff with the Saints. And I think at this stage, we're ready to move on. We've now previewed 31 teams. We got one to go. And you could quite possibly say that we've saved the best for last. 
Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we can take a look at their odds. Starting at the top, to repeat as Super Bowl champs, they're plus 550, plus 275 now to win the NFC, a prohibitive favorite to win the AF, uh, excuse me, the NFC South at minus 300, and that regular season win number, 11 and a half with some heavy juice to the over. So, Scott, when we look at the Bucs, I'm just curious to hear if you can recall the last time, if there's been a time, when we've seen the defending champs this well-equipped to make a run at a repeat. No, I cannot remember it, Matt. And, you know, I try to take the philosophy every year a team is not going to repeat because it just doesn't happen a lot. Now, sure, Kansas City went to the Super Bowl two years in a row and obviously lost last year. They could have repeated, of course. That's not to say a team can't get to the Super Bowl two years in a row. Um, but I just I just start my season out every year saying, you're not going to repeat. It's just There's just so much that goes against you. You have turnover. Um, well, Tampa Bay didn't have any turnover this year. All starters come back, which is incredible. And it's incredible because, you know, even the worst managed teams try to pick off pieces from your Super Bowl team, you know, a.k.a., uh, you know, the Raiders in 95 picking up the, the the bad Cowboys cornerback after you returning the interception, you know, for a touchdown in the Super Bowl the previous year. So there's always teams coming after your guys just because. Well, that didn't happen this year. They, they're returning all 22 starters. And then you've got Tom Brady. Well, Tom Brady isn't letting down after he wins a Super Bowl. And I don't think Tom Brady has let his team let down after they win a Super Bowl. So none of that really comes into play. And then you add that they've got a fairly easy schedule this year, which I know we'll get into in a second. But there's a lot of things going their way. The one thing that could pop up is they had the best luck or most fortune last year from an injury standpoint. And if that starts to not go their way, okay, now that task becomes much more difficult. But they're not playing in a great division. Atlanta, Carolina probably aren't going to challenge them. And we know the problems with New Orleans. So things are set up well for the Buccaneers this year. Yeah, and I think to circle back on three items that you touched on, number one, not only are they bringing back all starters, but kind of similar to the Bills, we talked about a big win for them being the lack of a loss with Brian Dable staying in as offensive coordinator. The Bucks also staved off any big losses on their coaching staff, so that could bode well for their continuity. Um, with Tom Brady, I'll be curious to hear if you guys have any thoughts. I know he's revolutionizing what it means to achieve such crazy longevity at quarterback, but at age 44, how does that factor into your outlook for the team this season? Um, and that might tie in with the injury luck question. I mean, Todd Furman laid it out well. The Bucks lost 25 games to injury last season, if we exclude COVID. Every other team lost at least 41 games, so that's a big gap. And there's an even bigger gap to the league average being in the 70s for games lost to injury. So it's more likely than not that the Bucks will have their depth tested a little bit more this season. Uh, yeah, you, you touched on it. I, I actually had uh, those metrics uh, written down also. Uh, they, they were very fortunate, uh, you know, probably not having a preseason probably helped that team last year. Uh, uh, you know, considering how few injuries they had, but uh, I, I, I'm falling for the banana in the tailpipe here. I, I don't understand how they don't roll through that schedule. You know, if you go game by game by game, even if I, I think it's quite possible with the 17th game added that you start to get an NBA type uh, sit out uh, strategy with Tampa Bay. This schedule, I, I, I can't, I don't know how they get such an easy schedule. So. It seems like, and then that's one of the things is you don't know whether, you know, what are they going to do in those last couple of games? They could have already had this division way locked up. So it's really tough to handicap, you know, 
season win futures, especially for the other teams, because maybe those other teams, you know, that's supposed to be a loss. Maybe that's a win because Brady's going to sit out. So just some things to consider. But yeah, I fell for the banana in the tailpipe. I played uh, Tampa Bay plus 425 or 450 to win the NFC. I just can't see a way that they don't easily win that division, uh, even if they're sitting players out uh, near the end. And I, I do think we're going to see teams sitting out players. Uh, this is no Chris, to that with really quickly when you talk about sitting out players, the, uh, a talking point with that NBA parallel you made has been possibility of load management in the NFL this season. What do you make of that narrative in general? And then it sounds like specifically uh, whatever teams across the league do, it might apply a little bit more to a team like the Bucks. Well, I, you know what? They have to resolve this, uh, uh, this off-numbered schedules of 17 games. And they're going to take this up to 18. And one and the buy schedules are very unfair. I mean, you've got teams getting buys as early as week five or six and as late as week 14. It's just it, it's inequitable. So you've got to go to a two buys per season type of structure. They've got to, you know, reduce the preseason by at least one game, because as you mentioned, load management is getting to be too important. These, these players are making too much dough. They're too important to the franchises. And it just makes for a bad product when these guys can't play. So if I own the team, if I coach the team, you're damn well I'm going to sit these players as often as I can. So I think we're going to see more of that. Yeah, well, Scott, the Bucks might be positioned to do it. Building on Chris's point, he talked about an easy schedule. And they also didn't necessarily have good fortune in close games last year. A lot of it, I think, just was their true talent showing through. So let's take a look at that chart and see what stands out for you as it pertains to Tampa Bay. Yeah, so they they win eleven games. There's nothing super, uh, you know, riveting here, but they they win eleven games last year. That translates to ten point nine wins. Uh, if a seventeen game schedule, that ups to eleven point six wins. Um, you know, which is close to their twelve uh, wins uh, projection. Three and three in close games, so they're right there. Um, and if we look at their lines projected for all seventeen games. That comes in at 12.5 wins, and you can see the 29th ranked schedule. So they have a very, very easy schedule as well. They were 10-0 straight up against um, non-playoff teams last year. During the regular season, they were only 1-5 straight up against playoff teams. But we know they ran through all four playoff games uh, and won those. So they're really 5-5 five and five straight up against the playoff teams. But I don't take anything from that. I think that's just more Brady and the receivers getting in sync. The receivers were kind of banged up in and out a little bit. Uh, it just took them all season to really get going there. So there's nothing to take from there either. So, um, you know, I, this team's ready to go. Um, you know, Brady at 44 years old. Hey, the guy defies logic, right? And uh, so nothing there. And remember, he supposedly played on a bad ACL, MCL, whatever it was last year. Uh, so he overcame all that as well. But, you know, he is older. He is certainly susceptible to something that could happen to him if he starts getting pounded a little bit. But, you know, I'd be foolish to think that he can't do it because he's done it every single year. And um, anything other than that, you know, goes against what he's done. So until he shows me otherwise, the guy's going to perform like he always has. You know, here's some reasons why I think I might be falling for the banana in the tailpipe. It, it, and I, I'm not following my own advice with recency bias. And this is why you need models. You need you need so much input to take away what your brain is making you gravitate to because we all know you know Tampa Bay look unstoppable but going into the playoffs 
I had Tampa Bay as the seventh best team in the league. Seven. Uh, I need money. I was two games over for five and three betting on them. So I had them, you know, just right. And they went inordinately well during the playoffs. They gave up. They were really one of the worst passing defenses in the league in the regular season. And then they're under 60% pass defense when it gets to the playoffs. They were plus 10 turnovers, plus 10 turnovers in those few games. That's a lot of uh, variance that does not, that is not consistent with how they played the full season last year. And they've got a, you know, one of the things that they do really bad is, is punt return and kickoff return coverage, you know, part of the special teams. So uh, just something to think about with that. Yeah, I, I like it not getting too carried away with what we saw last. And I think that's about all we can say for the defending champs. Of course, you know, they won the Super Bowl for a reason. They're coming back pretty fully loaded. So a lot of optimism. And that plays out if we take another look at the NFC South odds. I mean, the Bucks again, a prohibitive favorite at that pretty steep price, but but quite possibly well-warranted price of minus 300. New Orleans plus 375. Atlanta and Carolina, not necessarily doormats. Those could be decent teams, but they're pretty far back here at plus 1,000 and plus 1,100. And guys, as we hit the home stretch here, um, I think there's there's one bet pertaining to this division, and that comes from me, so I'll give a quick breakdown on it. And I have decided to make a small play, taking the plunge on the Saints to go under nine at minus 135. And Chris, I heard you say, you know, a lot of reasons we can do I'm sorry. Him. <laughs> I forgot. That's, no, that's fair. I think it's very fair. And that's why this is a small play. The primary reason for it, um, again, this is much more qualitative going by feel. I just don't think that disruption they're going through right now is properly quantified. I think this number may well be headed to eight and a half before they kick off against the Packers. And again, bigger picture, I'm hoping for the best for the Saints and everybody in the New Orleans area going through what they're going through right now. So this is just me trying to compartmentalize as a better. I do see value at the number. Scott, you mentioned the Saints have the fourth toughest schedule in the league. There's no doormat in this division. And if we're looking at the possibility of just six true home games, that's an especially big hit for a team like the Saints, considering their top tier home field advantage. And bottom line here, it's going to take 10 wins from Jameis with a poor wide receiver core for me to lose this bet. And it could happen, but I'm willing to pay to see it. Yeah, I, I don't, if I had to, I think it's going to be tough for them to get to 10 wins. And and, and what I was just trying to point out is, is I, I think a lot of people don't realize what could happen, but it's going to be tough for them to get to 10 wins. I agree. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that's the play for right now. We'll have plenty of action to dig into next week when we start talking NFL week one. We've got games that count right around the corner. But for now, everybody, I'd like to thank you for tuning in to the Bet US NFL show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or suggestions, let us know in the comments of this video or feel free to reach out to us on Twitter if you're catching this in podcast form. Speaking of Twitter, you can find Chris at Las Vegas Chris. That's C R I S. Scott at Sixth Sense NFL, and I'm at MLandis18. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you know the drill. Go ahead and subscribe to this channel, give this video a quick thumbs up, and hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on any of the action. Starting next week, friendly reminder, we're coming to you live on Tuesdays at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 Pacific, and Fridays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So come join us, chat with us, and let's have some fun as we look for edges together all season long.
And last but not least, everybody, don't forget to use that promo code NFL2021 when signing up at BetUS to claim your 125% sign-up bonus. That's exclusive for sports betting, good up to $2,500. And now that is some actionable information to go out on. One more reminder, we'll be back with you every Tuesday and Friday throughout the season. Next up on Tuesday, we'll take our first look at the week one board. So we'll see you then right back here at BetUS where the game begins.